Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Lou. This episode of the Raptors Over Everything Podcast is brought to you by our official sponsor, Kentucky Fried Chicken, the new official food of basketball. So make sure... You're never missing buckets. Order yours online at kfc.ca and get it before tip-off. So I'm recapping the Toronto Raptors. 118-112 win over the uh, New York Knicks. And, um, you know, this game was harder than it needed to be. Um, But, you know, uh, a win is a win. That's what what Kyle Lowry was saying as, uh, you know, he came down the tunnel at MSG. Obviously, I wasn't there. Um, but there was a clip floating around that the, that the Raptors tweeted out where Kyle Lowry is just leaving the floor. He's in the tunnel, uh, and he's just chanting over and over again, a win is a win is a win. And, like, yeah. I mean, was the Rap- did the Raptors play their best basketball against the Knicks? No. Do you want to see a Knicks game go down to the last couple of possessions? No. Uh, is the stress that comes with that slightly annoying? To be honest, I didn't feel that stressed. I thought the Raptors were going to win it all the whole way. But, you know, um, yeah, I mean, it was still kind of annoying that, you know, you couldn't even get a head start and start riding on this other stuff. I was expecting more of a blowout. The Knicks, you know, to their credit, they played well. They played hard. They battled. Um, I'm expecting that usual Knicks effort where uh, they give up, where they stop playing defense, where they don't even stop playing defense because they never start playing defense. And uh, there was none of that tonight. The Knicks actually played pretty well. So uh, you got to give the Knicks a little bit of credit. But, yeah, this was not the Raptors' best game by any means. They uh, fell down into an early hole. Um, you know, the Raptors trailed in the first quarter 28-20 to offensively. It was not working that well. Um, but what was worse was just defensively. They just weren't giving the proper effort. Like, you can tell when the Raptors style up their defense – Star forcing turnovers, um, they start forcing missed shots. That never really happened against the Knicks. Um, you know, there were times when they dialed it up for, you know, you know, stretch here where the Knicks didn't score for four minutes or, you know, stretch there. But for the most part, the Knicks kind of got inside. Um, the size advantage for the Knicks was definitely there. Uh, you know, <laughs> everyone makes fun of the Knicks for having, like, a million power forwards. Well, I mean... You know, one of the benefits of having a million power forwards is that you have size across the board and you have guys getting you offensive rebounds. You look at the Knicks starting front court. Julius Randle giving you four offensive rebounds. Marcus Morris giving you two. Taj Gibson giving you three. You know, those second chance points um, really did keep the Knicks alive. They they, they just, uh, you know, it kind of evened out towards the end, but especially at the beginning there, the Raptors just giving up those offensive rebounds, fell into a hole. Now they obviously got out of it. Um, you know, the Raptors had by halftime, they'd already taken the lead and they kind of led pretty much throughout the rest of the game. Uh, there was one point where the Knicks sort of tied it at the end, uh, defensively, they got lost a couple of times and it's pretty annoying to see, but, um, you know, it, it, early in the game, it was more of Kyle Lowry sort of willing them to stay inside. 
Uh, Kyle was just did a really good job of just forcing himself to get the free throw line. Was it Kyle Lowry's best performance offensively? No, not at all. Five of twelve from the field, three of eight from three, but he went thirteen of fourteen from the free throw line. Not saying he baits the officials, but like let's be real, Kyle Lowry baits the officials, plays the officials really well, and you know just forced his way to the free throw line. That sort of kept the Raptors in it early, and you know it's really funny because while everyone else was sluggish, um, Kyle was just that guy who was like, look. I don't care that it's the middle of the season. It's game uh, 45 in January on the road against the Knicks before another road game against San Antonio randomly. I want to win this game. And I think, honestly, that sort of impact trickles down to the rest of the team. Um, Because you look at Kyle. First half, the man's diving on the floor, hitting the deck. Uh, Ultimately, he failed. Because he was out of bounds, but you know, just to save a loose ball, he's diving on the ground, and th- that says a lot about your leader. Um, you know, if you're going to win a lot of these games in January, um, you need your guy, or in February, you need your guys to. Uh, you just need your guys to just compete, man. You just need to battle, and Kyle Lowry carries. That's one of the best traits about Kyle is that he just he gives too much of an F about every game, and does that sometimes lead to? Him taking charges with a bad back and missing some time, sure. But ultimately, you know, you love to see that leadership from Kyle. I thought the bench action tonight gave the Raptors a nice lift. Um, you know, uh, not even necessarily in just sort of how well they played offensively, how well they executed, but just defensively, uh, they came in and provided more energy, more of a spark. Um, you know, the bench unit tonight was Fred Le- Fred with the bench. A lot of Fred with the bench. Uh, Fred and the, and the bench being Rondé. Ibaka, Terrence Davis, Norman Powell. Those guys came in and just, you know, hustled. They, they um, just sort of in, increased the intensity of the game. Sort of matched more of what the Knicks were giving them. And also the Knicks bench, let's be real, they're bad. Uh, I mean, you know, they got a guy like Damian Dotson who shot the lights out. But, like, Frankie Smokes as their point guard off the bench, not great. Mitchell Robinson jumping at everything, trying to get a loose, trying to get a rebound or trying to get a uh, block shot, not great. Kevin Knox, oh my god, he looked like a disaster, bro. I, he looks really bad. I, I just, I hope he's okay. Like, uh, it was looking real tough for him. And um, so, you know, the Raptors bench sort of got the Raptors back into it. And then the Raptors starters came in, sort of um, held it down a little bit. Uh, you know, Fred with the bench there, I thought he did really well just to sort of um, set up the team and run the team well. Uh, it was not a, a game where there was a lot of pretty basketball. Uh, offensively, it was... Uh, not necessarily sluggish, but it just wasn't pretty. There's a lot more one-on-one play, but Fred giving him nine assists. Um, I thought he let it. He just set the table pretty well for the team, and of course, you know, chipping in with his baskets. Third quarter, kind of you know more of the same, really. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, man. It was just one of those games where the Raptors stayed ahead, but they weren't ahead by that much. And you know, I guess in in light of the fact that the Raptors have blown a couple big leads recently, it's probably not the worst thing for the Raptors to be in a game where it still demands your attention no matter what. Like, it's easy to be like, all right, we're up 25, let's chill. And then all of a sudden, Trey Young stealing an inbound pass, and uh, they're, you know, in a two-point game. Um, it's another thing where you're up, you're only up 10, man. You're only up 5, you're only up 8. You got to keep going. You got to keep battling. And that's what the Raptors did. Um, you know, I thought in the third quarter there, towards the end of that third quarter, Norman Powell gave them a huge boost. The end of that third quarter and the start of the fourth quarter is just Norman Powell time. Like, 
every single game, especially during this hot stretch, Norm Powell comes alive during that time. Norm's not a guy that gets involved that early. Early in the game, you know, he'll sort of uh, float in and out, whatever. But in that third quarter, especially the Raptors are stuck a little bit. And the Raptors, you know, it wasn't that um, big of a lead. So Norm Powell was like, look, I'm just going to take over here. And he had a personal, he had a hand in 12 straight points of the Raptors. And it started with him being aggressive on the perimeter, getting a deflection, taking the ball the other way, uh, and finishing the transition layup for two points. And then he comes off a screen, recognizes that defense is sagged off of him, pulls up for three, hits that shot. And then Norm, um, you know, at the start of the fourth quarter, Raptors had the ball coming out of the timeout to start the fourth quarter. And the Raptors have been running this more and more. Um, usually they run a hammer play for Kyle Lowry or Fred Van Lee. And the hammer play is just on one side of the floor, there's a ball handler, and he's driving from the top of the floor to the baseline. And on the other side of the floor, the shooter is going behind a screen and going to the opposite corner. And so when, when the playmaker comes down on one side, he swings the ball across the baseline and usually tries to find the shooter in the corner. Um, the Raptors have been really good at running it for Kyle and Fred, um, especially when the two of them share the floor together. You're not really sure which one's going to be the one shooting, which one's going to be the one passing. It makes it a little bit more effective that way. But, yeah, th- of late they've been running it for Norm Powell, especially at the start of the fourth quarter there. It happened, against, uh, it happened in the Hawks game. It happened in the Philly game, and it happened tonight against the Knicks. In the first possession, um, you know, uh, you know uh, who was a Fred, drove, drove the flame and uh, kicked it out to Norm, who hit the three. And then what was great after that was that Norm had the ball in his hands, uh, leading a fast break. I think it was, uh, I forget who it was, Remy Rondé forced a turnover or something. Oh, no, Terrence Davis forced a turnover. And uh, he threw the pass back to Norm Powell. Norm Powell led the fast break and then made a great pass, splitting three defenders by the Knicks to find Ronald Hollis Jefferson wide open under the rim. To be honest, you got to really make it easy for Rondé for him not to miss, so... Uh, a great bounce pass, uh, you know, gave Rounded that extra split second to go up. Uncontested, two hands finishing the dunk. And then to top it off, Norm Powell runs a pick and roll. Or sorry, Norm Powell is, comes off a curl against a Serge Ibaka on one side of the floor, catches the pass with some momentum going towards the middle. The Knicks are at this point definitely respecting Norm Powell because he has just created all the baskets. And Norm Powell uses that extra attention, that extra respect from the defense, slips a bounce pass to Serge Ibaka, and Serge dunks it. And there you go, 12 straight points created by Norman Powell. And, you know, he finishes the night with 16 points, so no 20 points for him, but still very efficient. 6 of 11 from the field, 3 of 6 from deep, split a pair of free throws, 2 rebounds, 3 assists, the steal, no, only just one turnover, plus 8 in 25 minutes. Norman Powell, he's just great. He's money off the bench every time now. Uh, and... This consistency, this focus is great. To be honest, I, even more than just the scoring, um, I'm more encouraged by the, the playmaking because if you are that good as a scorer and defenses will eventually, you know, they watch games. Uh, they have professional teams, have scouts coming out on all the NBA and stuff like that. Uh, they're watching and they're seeing that Norm Powell is doing this. They're going to adjust their game plans. They're not going to leave Norm. They're going to be tighter on him. They're going to try to force him away from his spots. They're going to try to keep him out in the middle, try to keep him on transition, something like that. But with that extra added defensive attention towards Norm, if he can then leverage that into easier opportunities for his teammates, like he did on those two assists for Ronde and Serge, then, you know, it's that's how, that's how you become a more well-rounded player. And Norm Powell before has always been sort of a frustrating player because you don't really know what he's going to bring on a nightly basis. 
Now he's gone to the point of consistency where you know he can score. You know he can score in a variety of ways. You know you can run some offense for him, but also he's just going to be open and convert most of his chances. Um, now what's the next step for him? And really, I think the assists, you know, just in, in improving himself as a playmaker is really going to help. He doesn't have the ball in his hands that much, but, um, you know, he's looking to score all the time. He's going to draw a lot of attention and he can get easy assists that way. And that, and also just defensively, like Norm defensively, I mean, he gets lost a couple of times. Uh, he makes up for it with the big wingspan and he, he tips the ball a lot, but uh, the reads defensively are not great. And, I hope that can improve, but for the most part, Norm really getting that lift to start the third quarter and to end the third quarter and the start of the fourth quarter. And then in crunch time, it was a little odd because the Raptors were up by 12, and then like the Knicks made a couple of threes, and then it was a tight game. The Raptors had to go back to the starters. Now, the thing is, I like this decision from Nurse where he went to a big lineup. Um, you know, it, uh, it <sighs> I mean, it just wasn't the greatest game for OG, let's be real. Um, OG has been not necessarily struggling. Well, no, I mean, he's just been invisible. Not involved, not really creating much of his own offense, um, not really knocking down his threes and stuff like that. And uh, I don't, it's just been uninvolved, to be honest. Like, it's just not a lot of cutting for him, not a lot of plays to set up. Obviously, we know he's not a guy you count on to create most of his own offense. But still, um, you know, OG wasn't having a great night. And, you know, you look at it. The Raptors were getting pummeled on the offensive glass. The Knicks' size were really giving them issues. And so Nick Nurse went to the – he made the call, and he went to the two-big lineup. He went to the jumbo lineup with Ibaka at center – well, Mark at center, Ibaka at four, and Pascal Siakam at three. The issue is normally that lineup comes in, and and that front court trio uh, are a lot more sound defensively. Um, it's it's a little odd because they got to play new roles defensively. Someone's got to pick up a perimeter player. It, it's it's uh, you know you got to negotiate more screens. You got to be higher um, on everything. You know it, it's just a, a little bit tougher um, because everyone's out of their you know depth a little bit. But for the most part, it's not the first time the Raptors have run the the tool big lineup. And generally speaking, they're pretty good at using it. Uh, they're pretty good at communicating. They're pretty smart defenders as a team. They help each other. They they're pretty coordinated. And that's why it's a little uncharacteristic because even though Nick Nurse brought that in to try to close with that group, it actually kind of backfired because the Knicks were able to get a wide-open corner three off a miscommunication. And I think Damian Dotson, who was just on fire all night, got an open three because the Raptors couldn't pick up who they were supposed to get defensively. It's just lost. And then the next possession after that, Julius Randle slips under the rim uh, undetected Gets an open layup, misses it, and then gets his own rebound and puts that in again. Just not challenge or anything like that, and it's just disappointing. It's disappointing, and you know Nick immediately calls timeout. He scraps that line lineup. He goes to a new strategy. He puts an OG, and he puts in the regular closing group, which just what his starters were. And you got to give OG some credit because he was not, you know, involved in the game early on. There was no effort, no additional effort. To get him more offense, Nurse said uh, after the uh, the Sixers game, where I think OG went scoreless, um, that it's like, hey man, we gotta gotta get OG a couple more looks. He scored six points in three games. We should get him some more offense. That did not happen tonight. Uh, there was not a lot of uh, set plays run for OG. Um, you know, this is like a, there's one split cut that he got, and, and you know, OG kind of flubbed it at the rim, but you know. It's not like they were giving him like three, four touches just to sort of get him involved. 
um, like they used to do with like JV or whoever. Um, but again, credit to OG because he comes off the bench, ice cold, hasn't really played, hasn't really shot the basketball aside from doing layups and stuff like that. And uh, the ball swings out to him in a tight moment, and OG switches to three. And that's nice to see. And OG collects, uh, he picks off a really, really bad entry pass. Um, so I guess that says a lot of nice things about OG's positioning. Um, but he picks off that pass and he forces a turnover. So OG does make contributions towards the end of the game. But really what this game came down to was, A, you know, you got Fred Lee hitting a, a step back three. That was nice to see. Uh, when, the, when the Knicks sort of went down the pick and roll. But ultimately what this came down to is Pascal Siakam showing why he's an all-star. Because what an all-star does is when their team needs it the most, when your team needs a basket on the road in a tight game, your all-star delivers. And that's what Pascal Siakam did. First play, Pascal on the perimeter, handling the ball. You got Marcus Morris on him. He sees the gap. He drives the lane. He goes hard, beats Morris off the dribble, beats the second help defender, and goes up hard for a two-handed dunk. Great play. Give the Raptors the lead. End the tie game. Then after that, Siakam on the same spot, right or left wing. He sees Marcus Morris. This time, Morris says, you know what, mentally, he knows, makes a note. You know what, last time, the guy just drove by me. I'm going to give him some space. I know he wants to drive. The Pascal says, oh, yeah? Well, then watch me pull up. And he pulls up for three. It's a two-possession game at that point. Raptors are up. And that basically shut the door on the Knicks. And it was just great to see because both those plays came in the last two minutes there. Pascal Siakam asserting his dominance, asserting his abilities as an all-star starter. Look, man, people have people have questioned that start by Pascal. Uh, it doesn't help that Pascal's numbers have come down a little bit since the injury. Clearly, it's taking him some time to get back to where he was. And also, he's on a minutes restriction, so he's not just doesn't have as much time to produce as much as he did. And some people have said, ah, you know, Jimmy Butler, you know, with the Heat, you know, they're doing some stuff. Which, by the way, the Heat lost today. Uh, Shout out to the Clippers. Uh, The only time I'll ever shout out the Clippers, to be honest. Uh, But, yeah, they beat the Heat, so the Raptors are now tied um, in record with the Heat. The Heat have the tiebreakers, so they're they're still up in the standings. But, uh, you know, in that second seat, the Raptors are, you know, they're, they're closing in. But um, but yeah, I mean, you know, people have questioned it. People said, oh, maybe Butler, you know, whatever. Even though Butler's clearly a shooting guard, I don't know why the hell he would compete for a forward spot with Pascal. But some people question Pascal as a starter. Um, and if you're gonna go with the injury case, then sure, maybe. But damn, Pascal has produced like an NBA All Star, and he's produced like an NBA All Star starter in the Eastern Conference. I mean, who are you taking over him? You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna point to like Tatum. Or Brown, or Tobias Harris, or all these other guys. Chris Middleton. I saw a Bucks guy say Chris Middleton deserved it more than Pascal. Please, please. Do I need to pull up Chris Middleton's numbers against Norman Powell's numbers in last year's playoffs again? Do I need to do that in the Eastern Conference Finals? Chris Middleton averaging one whole entire more point in twelve extra minutes as the second option behind uh, Norman Powell, who was like the eighth guy in that playoff series. Because seriously, go look at those numbers. Um, no, Pascal, man, Pascal, he's, uh, he's great. It was nice to see him come up big in that moment because again, you know, he has been not necessarily his best since the injury. Uh, it's, it's, t- it's taking him some time to get back to rhythm, uh, get back to his aggression and everything like that. Uh, it was nice to see him just, you know, 
come up big in that big moment, man. Damn, that's like a dream moment for a lot of guys to be in um, MSG in that big crowd and that mecca of basketball, the mecca of losing basketball. And for for Pascal to come up in that big in that moment right after he's named All Star, it's you just love to see. And of course, you know Kyle Lowry being as competitive as he is, two plays stood out for me for Kyle at the end of the game. One, uh, Julius Randle had an open layup, and Kyle Lowry hit him with a hard foul, not a flagrant foul, but a hard foul to ensure that he hidn't he couldn't make the uh, the easy layup. And then Randall goes on to split the free throws. So that's an important point. Every point matters in the crunch time. And Kyle Lowry coming in with that foul, sort of sacrificing his body once again. That was great. And then Kyle Lowry on the Knicks last play of the game. I mean, they weren't going to score like six points or whatever. But like uh, the inbound pass comes over to Randall. And Kyle Lowry is so smart. He leaves his man. And then he doesn't even go for the steal. He doesn't jump for the pass with Randall because obviously six foot tall Kyle Lowry is not going to jump for a pass with six foot ten Julius Randall. But what Kyle did was he waited for Randall to catch the pass, come down with the ball to gather, and then Lowry, being small, snuck up from behind, waited right where the hand was going to be, then swiped the ball, and then waited to get fouled. This Kyle Lowry's a genius, man. And also another play where Kyle Lowry was about to execute a dribble handoff with Pascal Siakam. The defender was playing Pascal super tight, and then Kyle Lowry uses his body, gets in the way, and draws a foul, and he gets two free throws out of that, which is you know more efficient than any other offense Raptors could probably other generate otherwise. Kyle Lowry's a genius, man. He's a diabolical genius, and uh, he made a couple winning plays there at the end to ensure that the Raptors win their sixth straight game. Um, and now the Raptors have won 18 of the last 19 games against the Knicks. And I know that one loss very, very vividly in my mind because uh, DeMar DeRozan tried a 360 layup in that game and missed, uh, and uh, the Raptors ended up losing that game in overtime. So I, I still curse that missed basket to this day because, again, every basket matters. And, uh, yeah, but, no, the Raptors have just smacked up the Knicks over the years, man. They've had some tough games against them. They really have. Um, DeMar hitting that game winner against Derrick Rose is still an amazing moment, him just, you know, sauntering up and down the floor, skipping up and down the floor. Uh, just a boss moment. And today, Pascal Siakam with his own boss moment, dunking and then hitting the three to show why he's an all-star. In terms of your three stars tonight, number one star for me, Kyle Lowry. 26 points, six rebounds, three assists, four steals, a block, five of 12 from the field, three of eight from three, 13 of 14 from the free throw line in 35 minutes. The, the drive to win, Kyle Lowry, man. He just wants to win so badly. It doesn't matter that it's the Knicks. In, in January, he's he's gonna he's gonna compete. He's gonna go hard, and he's gonna set the tone for his team. And that's what you want out of your leader. Um, you know, again, he he made all those clutch plays in the fourth quarter. Uh, sort of just made hustle plays throughout the game. To be honest, when he when Matt Devlin in the fourth quarter said, "Oh, Kyle Lowry with twenty one," I was like, "What?" It, it was very shocking to me that Kyle Lowry had even you know more than ten points. It didn't really feel like a game where Kyle Lowry took over offensively, but. I mean, 26 points for Kyle. I mean, I, I don't even know how he got there, really. I guess the free throw line. He's he's really smart about that. Second star for me, uh, Pascal Siakam, 23 points uh, in 33 minutes, 9 of 15 shooting, 2 of 5 from 3, 3 of 3 from the free throw line, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, the block. Um, defensively, I think I'm, I'm pretty happy with Pascal's effort in the last couple of games. Um, you know, you, you want definitely want him to play defense. And just offensively, just about rhythm and getting all his uh, – Touches to come back and stuff like that. Today was his most efficient game since coming back. 9 of 15 from the field is great. 2 of 5 from 3 is great. Even though it's just an average kind of shooting night for Pascal. He's shooting like... Um, but he, he was just was not shooting the 3 well since coming back. So 
seeing him hit the threes, and especially that one late, uh, it was great to see. The only thing with Pascal is just, man, is this man going to get some respect from the, the, from the NBA officials now that he is a, a, an NBA All-Star? Because out of the top 20 scores in the NBA in terms of points per game, Pascal Siakam is dead last in free throw attempts at 4.5 per game. And it doesn't make sense to me because Pascal Siakam is constantly going into the basket, in going into the paint, drawing fouls, taking on defenders, playing through contact. Like, you know, I mean, Pascal, I'll give him credit. He has great character because he actually tries to play and shoot and finish the shot. He doesn't try to flop. He doesn't try to embellish or anything like that. But maybe he should because, like, damn, yo, he's just not getting respect. The thing is, even when he gets clearly fouled, like there was a play at the end of the first half, Pascal in transition, goes up for layup. I forget which Knicks defender it was. But he smacks him so hard across the arm. You could hear like a whip sound that, that just came out of the, the TV broadcast. And you're like, how the hell did you not see that as the referee on the baseline standing less than a meter away? And you not, not only did you not see that, how did you not hear that? The sound of like someone slapping someone's arm, it, it's, it's a very, very distinct sound. And this will be a sound you're familiar with if you're a referee that's literally employed to call and uh, <laughs> witness and determine contact on plays. Um, it was a little strange, but uh, yeah, Pascal, I mean, he's just got to get more free throw times, man. Like three, really, in a game where he was going to the basket nonstop? Like, what are we doing over here? So that was a little surprising. And then third star, I really do think Fred has a good case for it, but I'm giving it to Norm. That, th- that stretch in the end of the third quarter, the start of the fourth quarter, really got the Raptors going. 16 points, two rebounds, three assists, a steal. I think Fred actually played better on the whole, but uh, that stretch there by Norm uh, just really stood out for me. And again, really productive. 16 points in 25 minutes uh, efficiently as well. Great stuff from Norm Powell. Great stuff from the Raptors' six man. And, uh, you know, in terms of your Gerald Henderson Award, got to give that to Damian Dotson. Uh, 21 points on 7 of 10, shooting 4 of 7 from 3. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Dotson's fine. I, I like him. He's he's a nice player. He's, he's a nice development project for the Knicks. I, I think he played in their G League team at one point, and he you know, cracked the big team. And he's really stuck around. He's, he's a, a shooting guard. He, he plays a little defense. He plays hard. He can shoot the ball decently well. I don't mind him at all. Uh, it was just funny to me because when the Raptors played the Knicks um, earlier this season at Scotiabank, Dotson was just running suicides nonstop for like half an hour. And I'm like, damn. What I mean, like, you just rarely see that from NBA players. It feels strange. I don't know. Um, normally, players come out pregame. They're stretching. Maybe they're doing a little bit of a weight, a lift. Maybe they're, I mean, most times they're shooting. Uh, maybe practice some dribble drills. Maybe using some resistant bands or whatever. Uh, maybe getting, like, a little slight massage or whatever, a stretch. I, I, I just rarely see players do full-on suicides for like a half an hour before a game. And Dotson was one of those guys doing it last time at Social Bank. So, I don't know. It just struck me as odd. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It feels like you should maybe conserve your energy a little bit if you're going to play a whole NBA game. But, um, yeah, anyway, Damian Dotson, 21 points, 7 of 10 shooting, 4 7 from 3. Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, so, that does it for the podcast. Uh, you know, whatever. It's a whole-hum win against the Knicks. A little bit more difficult than it had to be, but as Kyle Lowry said, a win is a win is a win. The Raptors are now tied in record with the uh, with the Miami Heat. Um, the Heat uh, lost to the Los Angeles Clippers today. Um, apparently, Dion Waiters is back and he's doing his stuff again. Uh, and by doing that stuff, I don't mean eating edibles on a plane. I mean like actually playing good at basketball. Uh, and you know, you got to give it up for Kawhi Leonard, man. Thirty-three points, ten rebounds, ten assists. Two steals, a block for Boardman, uh, you know, getting it done on the road 
to beat the Miami Heat. It's not easy. The Heat are pretty good. And, um, you know, it's just, you know, Kawhi just showing once again that he's way better than Jimmy Butler. Uh, not that there's much of a comparison there. Um, but, uh, yeah. So the Raptors, you know, um, you know, unfortunately they, they're, they're 0 2 against the Heat this season. So they, uh, you know, are still officially back at the Heat. But, you know, the one thing that really struck out to me with the Raptors is that the Raptors point differential is plus six, six point zero. The Heat's point differential is three point five. It's just strange that they have the same record. Just, just if, if you were gonna run the the point differential and stuff like that, and just run the Pythagorean theorem or stuff like that, you you probably wouldn't expect them to have the same record. You would expect the Heat to have like two to three fewer wins. Um, but the Heat have been again amazing in overtime, eight zero in overtime. But they're hitting a little bit of a, a slump here. The Raptors are definitely hitting a soft spot in the schedule, and they're really accelerating and finding their groove with everyone healthy. And, um, you know, the Raptors are still only a half game up in the Celtics. The standings are extremely tight right now. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, they're, they're closing on the second seed. And so if the Raptors can just keep taking care of business um, offensively and with the group and keep playing defense the way they, we know they're capable of, second seed is there. And, if hey, if the Raptors get to the second seed – Nick Nurse coaches the All-Star game. Nick Nurse gets to coach Giannis. Just saying, man. Because uh, the Bucks were the first seed last year uh, at, the, at the deadline. So Mike Budenholzer coached the team. Coaches don't coach the team back-to-back years. So, you know, if the Raptors just make a bit of a push here, Nick Nurse could be spending, you know, everyone's dream is to spend uh, February in, in Chicago, in the windy city, in the frigidly winded the the windchill city. Um but yeah, Nick Nurse could be an All Star. Honestly, he would really deserve it, man. He, he should get in the spotlight. He should be there around all the media, do all the interviews, make all the rounds, be in all these social clips and so that. Nick Nurse is a fantastic coach, and he's he, it, the fact that the Raptors are even in the second, the conversation for the second seed, let alone tied for the second seed, is just absolutely amazing. So Raptors, please go get Nick Nurse that second that second seed. Please get him to the All Star game. Please let him you know build our rapport and start tampering with Giannis. Uh, we would really love it. So. Thanks again to everyone for listening. Big thanks to KFC for sponsoring the show. And I'll be back on Sunday to recap the Raptors game against the uh, San Antonio Spurs. And in the meantime, uh, happy uh, Lunar New Year or slash Chinese New Year to uh, all my fellow Asians celebrating. And uh, yeah, I'll be back on Sunday. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. 
And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.